right, what's new? What's going on? We would play our sound music. It would go beep, boop, beep, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop. And then we would say... That's our intro music. Yeah. <laughs> you just made our intro track. <laughs> and then it would say, it'd be something, you know, like... Take it or leave it. <laughs> do, you, do you know you keep saying leave? No, I said leave it. No, you, I heard leave. Oh. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Beep, boop, beep, 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 the boop. Beep, 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 the boop. Take it or leave it. Leaf. Damn it. <laughs> I said leave. Leaf. This. So we can say, all right, thanks for tuning in again. Or tuning in. Do, do people say tuning in for Probably a podcast? Not. Thanks for clicking yeah. in. This isn't the 50s. <laughs> thanks for clicking in to our mm, I don't like that. <laughs> to our podcast. Sure don't. Thanks for tapping on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to use this. This is going to be the opener now. I, I feel like I, I don't know. Yeah. Thanks for stopping in, gang. Thanks for dropping by. At the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, thanks for coming. Yeah, we'll have to do this again. Yeah. Yeah, it's good And welcome you guys. to the Take It or Leave It podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being here, gang. Thanks. Our, what are we going to call our listeners? Plant. <laughs> Don't you remember? I forgot. Okay. Plant. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a little strong to start. I'll just bleep it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> we probably should figure that out, though. I mean, normally I feel like it happens organically through getting listener feedback. Right. Our And we haven't gotten any listener feedback yet from our 1.2. Are we 1.2 million? Oh, 1. 1.2. 1.2. 1 to 2. One oh, it's to, just us. Just us. It's just us. One to two people listening yeah. to this podcast. Yeah. Our... Do we call them leafers, leaf miners, like the cute little ant? I'm shaking my head no slowly. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, hey, leaf hoppers. I don't want to say that. No. Is it because it's really bad? It's really bad. Yeah. Our hort homies. What up, hort homies? Our horties. So there goes our audience. <laughs> <laughs> We're back to just being one to two listeners. <laughs> right. Hort, hort hounds. Hort hounds. I like that. Leaf hounds. So far, hort homies is winning for me, but. Our lucha leaf brays. Our mulch mates. Our bark brothers. Bark bros. Bark persons, Ethan. Bark persons. Our cambium cohorts. <laughs> okay, and uh, moving on to our next topic. <laughs> our phloem fills. <laughs> phloem phillips. What's up, Floam Phillips? Yeah. This is going to work. Hey, people. Thanks for tuning hey there, in to you. Either... Oh, oh were you up, starting? People? Yeah. Oh, you're starting. Uh, no, okay. not really. Oh, not really starting. Yeah, no. Okay. Like, oh, no, this is still bullshit. Oh, we're still. Um, okay. What's up, people? Thanks for. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in on episode three or six or any number between. We haven't figured that out yet. Mm-hmm. All right. What's new? What's going on? What's up for uh Hey, we would play our sound music. It would go beep, boop, beep, beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, boop. And then we would say. That's our intro music. <laughs> you just made our intro track. And then it would say it'd be something, you know, like. Take it or leave it. <laughs> do, you, do you know you keep saying leave? No, I said leave it. No, you, I heard leave. Oh, like leavening. <laughs> <laughs> Take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like this voice for it. Yeah. You play the beep, boop, beep, beep, boop, boop, beep, beep. Take it or leave it. Podcast. Mm -hmm. Dot net. Dot biz. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Beep, boop, beep, 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 boop, 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 beep, boop, beep, boop, boop, boop. Take it or leave it. Leaf. Damn it. <laughs> I said leaf. Leaf. <laughs> composters. What's up, composters? What's up, future compost? Oh my god. Is that too dark? No. It's not too dark. Yeah. Future compost. What's up, future compost? Well, today we're going to be getting into. Uh, ooh. <laughs> oh, I think I like it. Oh, that's dark, but I think I like it. Yeah. Mm. What's up, future worm food? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Hmm. What's up, air breathers? I like future compost. Okay. What's up, everybody? This is the Take It or Leave It podcast. I'm Nick Farringdon. My co-host here is Ethan Wise. We are just a couple uh, piles of future compost explaining yep. some stuff to you about plants. Yep, yep. We're uh, just blobs of compost here talking about... Yep. That was good. I liked your intro. We're just two two piles of future compost here talking about plants and enjoying what we do in this industry of horticulture. So, Ethan, you were heading up the research for our main segment this week, which, interestingly enough, we kind of got on the topic of because of a plant-related conversation that came up between myself and my girlfriend about her sister that lives out of state, and they had actually been in town for Christmas and New Year's, and when her sister got back home, one of the orchids in her orchid collection was having a pretty rough time. I, on an unrelated note, had sent her back with some cease, which is a bacteria byproduct based OMRI listed for organic use. Spell it. What do, uh, how do you spell cease? C E A S E. Okay. So I had sent her with that and a couple other things for her um, orchid collection because she'd had some issues with fungal problems in the past, you know orchids and and being in a you know more moist media can have issues with that like anything else Mm -hmm. um and when she got back after their trip down one of these orchids was having a pretty rough go and lost some leaves clearly having a pretty significant issue enough that she was like i'm gonna try i'll use the cease that you gave me and as she had also gone I, i think it was somebody on youtube that she follows for plant related topics and in looking up on YouTube, she had found that they suggested cinnamon 
as a kind of home remedy treatment for mm, fungal issues. that more and more right. circulated. Yeah. And so in her sending that information along through my girlfriend, and we were already together here doing some recording, and it kind of sparked uh, what eventually... A long road. Yeah. yeah this, it took up... I delved into this for several hours. Right. And just a little uh, text and a photo of an orchid with a, a description of some trials on a plant that was probably already on its way out and, you know, hey, let's try something led to us having a whole segment for you guys here. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is it's very common right now, especially with the popularity that kind of really hit a peak recently, especially when we were all trapped at home due to COVID, we saw a major increase in houseplant sales. Yep, it definitely. Boomed. Vendors couldn't keep up with the influx. And between the minimal inventory that was happening because more people were buying plants as well as the demand we saw prices skyrocket something that in 2017 you would have been able to buy for 15.99 you were now buying at cost 15 right right so it was it was bananas a thing that we saw happen very much house plants affected and with a lot of plant material cuttings, tissue culture, which we'll get into later as a topic, plant material coming out of Asia, you know, China is a huge supplier, depending on what Absolutely. it is. Um, a lot of funky varieties are mass produced in Asia. And then also, you know, Central American countries. They have a, a lot, lot of tropical these, plants, which right. we have as house. That's what a house plant is. It's a tropical species, usually. And for them being locked down, that meant that very early stages of the supply chain for plant material, especially anything that was funky and unusual mm -hmm. um, that already wasn't going being commercially grown in the U S that also created a huge strain on the industry and supply for, for anything that was kind of house plant tropical related. So you throw that in the mix of everybody stuck at home and, and wants to improve their space and add to their plant collection and, and you end up with a pretty good strain, pretty good high demand, increased pricing on on those plants. Right. And and maybe that's something we can discuss in a later podcast in more detail for anyone who cares like like really how many hands hit your product right. before you get it. But where we were heading with this is like as we saw this boom, this heavy increase in plant revenue sales uh, and house plant revenue sales, what we also saw was an increase in the amount of influencers that created their own house plants pages or people starting their own online stores or uh, like I said, their their own Facebook pages or TikToks or Instagram, Instagram reels, YouTube, YouTube yep. videos. And there's a lot of people out there that talk about house plants and we will too. You know, I'm not this is not a shame. You know, I'm not shaming anyone for doing that. I love the fact how how many people have grown passionate about this industry. Yeah, definitely. Um, and 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 recently more so, so many people. But nonetheless, there's a lot of people that talk about houseplants out there. A lot of dot coms. Exclusively almost. Exclusively. Yeah. And with that, there has been a growth in uh, information that is distributed that could potentially be misleading uh, with regards to household remedies. 
this can sometimes be for me a bit of a uh, pet peeve. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A bit of, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Kind of a peeve of mine, not because I'm anti household remedy or anti uh, organic. That's not the case at all. My frustration comes from when someone tells you that you can apply this casual thing that you can just buy or have in your cabinet and this is going to cure something right. uh, that's kind of with a w- vague without any quantity and concentration of how right. much you need to apply or how. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm usually very excited yeah. to learn about new things, uh, different things. I'm all for, finding a, a fun new way of approaching something in this, in this area. But I am absolutely prone to be a skeptic as well on certain things. And household remedies is one of those things that I tend to be a skeptic on. Right. And based on, you know, kind of what we've seen, a lot of common things like milk, eggs, coffee grounds, cinnamon, like we had mentioned, different soaps uh, mm-hmm. I've seen. I've even had a commercial uh, microgreens and herb production facility that was on a completely closed loop hydroponic indoor growing facility that when they were having pretty significant fungal issues with their primary high dollar crop that was their bread and butter moneymaker, they were going to try out spraying salt water as a fungicide based on something that they had seen somewhere and mm. and trying to say like hey um i've been growing plants commercially for better part of a decade uh what about this this and this it's actually a trialed study actually at the time i'd recommended cease speaking of you know they were an organic operation awesome perfect yet definitely stick with that there are lots of products that could fall into that category that you could use and and still stay within your organic compliance but uh, salt water was what they wanted to try out and uh, i saw some issues with spraying salt water in a closed loop hydroponic system and and are you talking like like actual salt like sodium chloride Mm -hmm. nacl salt table salt Huh. They were going to use table salt. Mixed what kind water. of, what did you end up witnessing? What did you, how did you? I quit and left. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the final when, straw. When, when you have somebody with, that without has much proof or evidence, they decided right. to spray table salt on their yeah. plants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you decided it wasn't for yeah. you. Well, and I mentioned, you know, a product that I've actually used in a commercial greenhouse setting that is, tested and proven and available on the market for fungicidal use. Right. And, and in checking back, the decision was we're going to test out spraying salt water. Okay. So, well, those sort of things are, are things that we're going to delve into and this particular thing. And and what we're going to discuss is the cinnamon and whether or not cinnamon can be used as a fungicide or should it be used as a fungicide? And this is a segment that we will continue to do. We call it, we did the research so you didn't have to. And this is our first one of uh, potentially many of these where we go into household remedies and we find and dig for the evidence to back whether or not 
this works? Or is milk going to do blank and cure blank on blank? Will it really work? So I'm excited. I'm excited to do this. I, like I said, I, I went into the depths of the internet, unfortunately, which is crazy because you shouldn't have to search for as long as I did to find reputable information, a real scientific source, right on a topic that's as popular as this is. That was a frustration for me because as with a lot of these kind of um, items that would fall in, in the DIY household remedy kind of category for plants, and again, whether that's your interior house plants and tropicals or or your garden and landscape plants, what the average person is going to find right away on Google, I mean, your first many, many pages of hits. Was riddled with dot coms. Right. And even if... It's like a seemingly endless barrage of dot coms. Right. No dot orgs, no dot edus, nothing that you could... Any government studies, anything like that. Right. But something you did see a few times was a site that had things linked that they were treating as a source. And that either leads to another dot com with the same copied and pasted information or a dead link to to a citation that doesn't really exist. Right. Yeah. And once again, I just wanted to state, you know, like I. I'm not opposed to this being something that worked. That wasn't what my frustration stems from citations of credible, credible sources to back what you're saying. Right. Um, As far as when you go out and you have thousands of followers that love what you post and you say something like that, that isn't backed and no sources provided to prove that what you're saying is on the up and up. That's always just something, just someone as part of my backgrounds in horticulture and to not have a source Mm-hmm. but yet being comfortable telling people to apply this to fix something in their plant is always just a way it's like no you give me something give me something please please like look into it a little bit or check right yeah. right but we realize you know maybe that's something that we can kind of fill that gap hence we'll do the research so you don't have to yeah hey ethan do you hear that what oh it's an ad Real quick, thanks for listening to our episode today. You can stay in touch with us by supporting us on Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash take it or leave it. And we'll have bonus content on Patreon for all of our subscribers there where you can get extra episodes and snippets from the show that we don't release to all the other platforms. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Take It or Leaf It Pod. And you can also visit our website, takeitorleafitpod.com. If you have any questions or comments or any stories you'd like us to research or talk about, or hell, send us a picture of a plant you want us to identify, you can send that information to show at takeitorleafitpod.com. You can also follow us on our individual Instagrams. I am at Hortwise, H-O-R-T-W-I-S-E. And I am at N Farringdon, N-F-A-R-R-I-N-G-D-O-N. Thanks so much. We'll get back to the episode. Oh, you got me. (laughs) So anyway, after scanning, yeah, several sites written by plant enthusiasts and needless to say, being skeptical. And I say plant enthusiasts in the sense like someone who, you know, just who, who likes plants but might not have a um, a formal education. And once again, not docking 
anyone, I'm not trying to put anyone down for, for not being, a, I'm not saying you have to be a horticulturist in order to put information out there uh, for someone to listen to that's plant related, but I am suggesting to have sources. So that being said, but yeah, after over 30 minutes of just simply delving down Google and searching and reading and not finding anything other than dot coms saying very similar information over and over and over again, you had finally suggested, Hey, did you try Google scholar? And I was like, Oh shoot. And you were looking very, I mean, you were using pretty tight search parameters of specifically cinnamon as a fungicide for plants. Right. And just wanted any sort of information from uh, someone who, background justified running a study on this and does it really work you know like or a university that's a reputable university for horticulture botanic garden somebody who's again going to have more inclination to do that research right right and so i finally decided after your suggestion digging down google scholar and i will say i was pleasantly surprised to see multiple scientific articles real ones, real scientific articles with an abstract, with experimental data, a conclusion, reasonable sample sizes, sources. Absolutely. And so uh, here it is. And so uh, that was kind of nice to go into this so skeptical and then to find something like that, like, oh, okay, okay. But then the first one that I clicked on was super disappointing because it stated Many of the same vague statements that I was just reading off of dot coms blatantly just saying cinnamon is has antifungal properties and has shown to produce antifungal to reduce the the fungal growth of plants, but not providing any evidence. Um, in fact, it had links that went to another website that had no information right. on it. I was like, okay. So then I clicked on a second article and this one focused more on the antifungal properties for humans and human consumption, which wasn't applicable to what I was doing. And as we both know, cinnamon's been around forever as a a supplement. Right. Yeah. People have been taking them. There's a lot of people who will claim that it's got antimicrobial, anti-inflammatory but again, taking that from mammals to plants, I suspect I suspect it being around and being studied to have beneficial impacts in humans mm-hmm. probably is also a contributing to the thought, oh, if it's good for us, this must also maybe translate over or, or spark that thought in relation to plants. But again, those are two very different things. Right. So I finally found a third one and the link will be in the description and the title of this scientific article is cinnamon powder and in vitro and in vivo evaluation of antifungal and plant growth promoting activity. And this was an article that was written in 2019 or the study was released in 2019 and then it was posted in the European Journal of Plant Pathology in 2020. So obviously peer reviewed and found to be credible enough to right. be posted in an actual well-known published plant pathology journal, which I thought was really cool. So what this study did, I'm just going to summarize it. It is a long read, 
But if that's, you're, that's the thing with using Google Scholar for for finding scientific journals and articles and studies is, yeah, you're going to find good information, but boy, can it be a little dry. Right. And that's why we're doing this, you know, so I will cover it in a nutshell and kind of give you the cliff notes of this because that's what this segment is. I'll research it so you don't have to. But if you really feel like delving into it, you you can. We'll have that link uh, made available for you. And so what they did, this test was done over six weeks and there was a control and two experimental groups using cinnamon powder. That's important to clarify. There is a study. I'm sure there's multiple studies out there. I saw one in particular with cinnamon oil. Right. And the summarization of what this article says about oil is that is harder to, it's harder to control. Whereas the powder was easier to manipulate to be utilized the way that they needed it to be utilized to provide a, an even and broad distribution. Much uh, easier to have, you know, treat essentially cinnamon as a wettable powder that you can right. keep agitated and keep suspended in water versus an oil that's going to always be sitting at the surface and be tougher to right. emulsify and use. Right, absolutely. Yeah. So they did this, and that's also kind of. Um, I think that's more applicable to the average homeowner. I mean, I know right. that cinnamon oil isn't a difficult thing to get, but I think the average person has cinnamon powder in their house. Or if they have them both, they probably have cinnamon powder, and that's probably a little bit less expensive as well. Right. And so they tested several different fungal infections uh, that they used as attacking agents on the plant, including botrytis a species of Botrytis and a species of Fusarium. But I should note that this study was done on tomato plants, three different tomato plants. Three different types of tomato plants, but the sample size altogether across the study was, I think, what, 250 plants, right? Right. So so we are talking about a, a sizable group of plants here. Right. Just on three particular varieties. Right. And Botrytis being a fungal infection that you've probably seen and not noticed it, there is a species that will start to attack the buds of roses and that bud will turn white and nasty kind of a and moldy, mushy. slimy. Yeah. Before it even has a chance to open, it'll affect hibiscus. Tropical varieties can be very much seen that just by the time they sit in a dark bag shipped from Florida up to Illinois or Missouri. Yeah, in three a dark days truck, in a yeah, dark in a, hot truck, a dark cardboard moist box in the dark. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They'll come out and be like, oh, OK, these need to breathe. And then Fusarium, uh, Fusarium wilt is a dreaded thing to hear if you grow tomatoes. Um, it can even affect your potato plants because those are closely related. And, you know, it's not uncommon that if you discover that you have fusarium wilt on your tomatoes, that that's a lost cause. Yeah. You know, that's sorry. And sayonara. It's, it's persistent in the soil for quite a few years, it too. Is. Right? Yeah, it is. So those were two of the of the types. There was another and I'm sorry, I know I should. I did my research, but I can't remember the name of this particular fungal infection. It was one that I wasn't familiar with, and then that opened up a whole nother rabbit hole. But with it being a fungal infection that I wasn't uh, as familiar with, it didn't seem as applicable to our zone, right. uh, the zone five through zone six. It wasn't something that I feel like I've ever diagnosed or or seen 
mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, uh, but I did feel like bringing up Botrytis and Fusarium because those are Very much common. more common and I've interacted with them multiple times. Um, yeah. But so the test was done on three different species of tomato plants. Multiple attacking fungal agents were used. And essentially the conclusion was that cinnamon did, in fact, show antifungal properties. They noted a decrease in the fungal production, a decrease in the damage done to the plant. And in quite a few cases, there was there was one of the tomatoes that didn't show an increase in growth, but two of the other tomatoes did show an increase in new growth. New foliage um, growth. New foliage growth. Yeah. yeah, the mass of the new foliage growth was significantly increased over the control group where it's nothing just an um, interesting uh unintended kind of yeah the cinnamon was doing note. something else as well right that was you know the plant was able to get something else out of this right um not just helping it fight off or fend off the fungal infection right um, now it should be noted that the study states that in order for a continual reduction in fungal growth on the tested plants, that the cinnamon water mixtures um, that they were using need to be applied every four to five days while the symptoms persisted. And they did note at one point in time in there that if they would like, you know, kind of take time off and not spray that the fungal infection, like right around day seven would start to come back with a full vengeance. And they uh, they were doing tests with both cinnamon as a wettable powder in water and then strained out and using that water with Right, the and solution. then also a suspension. And that's that kind of more increased frequency. You know, a lot of times if you're buying a, an over-the-counter, so to speak, we'll just say fungicide, for example, or, or any more conventional pesticide, usually they're not going to have a spray interval that's as short as four to five days. And so it's tends to be more common with the more natural, more organic pest control and plant protection type chemicals that you need to do. Usually they're a little bit more of a concentration that you have to apply a little more frequently to get a result that's, that's more similar to a conventional chemical. Right. And we'll, that's another, that's kind of a whole other area that we'll get into the future too with organic versus, or I should say organic and or natural products versus the more conventional or synthetics. Right. And so, and then also just to clarify, you know, the point of this topic is not to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to come on here and tell people to use cinnamon as a fungicide. I don't have any uh, ratios to give to people like X amount of cinnamon and X amount of ounces of water. That's not the intention of this, but it is to point out that there is research to kind of put in the ballpark of cinnamon could have there is essentially th- some truth behind right. this. And this test was done on tomatoes, right. wasn't done on a group of monsteras or pothos or this was specifically tomatoes. But that doesn't mean that it couldn't apply to house plants, right? Uh, At least but, we know that there is some real scientific, controlled, tested right. research. I gotta say, like for me, I would be more prone myself to experiment with it, but I, I would want to experiment with it myself before I went on a platform and told people use this as a tried and true 
fungicide for your plant. And even still, at at least for me, if I find a study like this that says, you know, hey, we tested this on a sample size of several hundred plants, I like that information a lot more than anecdotally, you know, a guy on YouTube or whatever sprayed sprayed his such and such house plants and noticed a, a benefit. Right. Yeah. Now, I guess they also that likely adding cinnamon to your plant is not going to add or it's not going to cause any harm. It's a well, natural thing. It's likely not. I don't know that we can make that claim. That's true. You can't make that claim. Yeah. But, you know, it is just ground from the cinnamon tree bark. Now, that being said, you're right. You know, when you factor in there, there's trees like uh, the black walnut, where if you took a bunch of stuff from a black walnut tree and mixed it in or sprayed it on your plant, you're likely going to kill it. Yeah, depending on the variety. <laughs> right. Ju- juglone toxicity. Right. That can be uh, also a discussion snippet so for a later definitely day. something to consider when people say, oh, well, it's from a plant. It's natural. It's not going to harm the plant. Well... Uh, nature would argue that <laughs> there are plenty of plants in nature that if you added them or found a way to process them and spray them uh, around, they would probably cause a bit of a problem. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just because it's a natural thing doesn't mean that it's, you know, you can be applied to your plant. But yeah, I go back to, to saying in this particular case, with, yeah, as it pertains it to was, cinnamon as a plant protection item. It was a fun ride because, like I said, I went into it just kind of like, okay, here's more information that isn't backed by any evidence that people are telling people because it's a trendy thing, you know. And like I said, that's okay, too. There's nothing wrong with finding an organic or a natural method of approaching uh, something that can make something healthier, whether it's yourself or whether it's a plant or your animal. Absolutely nothing wrong. I'm not opposed to that. Just don't think it should always be widely screamed at the top of a balcony without. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, as I went down this path, yeah, I started off definitely with my skeptic glasses on. I felt validated in my skepticism when I first started looking because it was a good 45 minutes to an hour of delving and reading stuff before I even found anything that was remotely. If it takes, if it takes an hour plus for two horticulturists to find information to back up your claims on simply Google, like I said, without right. going to Google scholar, right. Which the average person also isn't going to do. Right. Chances are a lot of the dot coms should that are not be this. that hard to right. find They're, reputable information on a popular topic like right, that. Right. And generally, so, we could extrapolate out that probably not a lot of people are checking. Right. But then to delve further and further into this, to find a study that was so informative and for it to ultimately have the conclusion that, yes, there is proven visual documented evidence that it repelled and helped a plant fend off a fungal infection, several different types of fungus super cool i did find that very interesting and so this will probably be something that i continue to follow and to find more evidence and would love to see another study done on another type of plant other than tomatoes a little more of a broad application i yeah i want to i want to continue to see what else is out there and we'll continue to look into these sort of home remedies 
And is there a difference when it's used in a controlled greenhouse environment for a lab test versus outdoors in the elements? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. that's a whole other avenue that that kind of research could be taken. Yeah. So that's our information. You know, that's what we discovered in our time looking for whether or not cinnamon does have antifungal properties with regards to using on plants and at the end of this, yes, there is some evidence to show that this is a real a real thing. So there we go. Excellent. Yeah. On to the next topic. On to the next topic. 